Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Florida Travel Fanatics podcast. I'm Heather. I'm Clark. In this episode, we'll talk about how to visit Florida's famous Space Coast and see a rocket launch from Kennedy Space Center. But first, some of the latest travel news in Florida. Speaking of the Space Coast, Artemis rocket launches this week. It's the biggest and most powerful rocket that NASA has ever launched. Launches from Kennedy Space Center um, later on this week, and we'll talk more about that in this episode. Yeah, that's the return to the moon mission. That's the Artemis One launch. That's a that's a big deal. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll come back to that. But that's that's like the biggest thing going on in Florida this week. Right. So if you are flying into Tampa or flying out of Tampa, we just recently got a an award for from Florida Airport awards. They like to, you know, it, it, <laughs> which it's, is like, oh, the Florida Airport Authority gave Florida for, Airport an award. But exactly. there are probably a dozen airports in Florida, and they do different things and. So, yeah, they do sort of compete with each other. So this is for an innovative express lane. Um, If you've not been to the Tampa airport, um, it's one terminal, but we have a blue side and a red side. The express lane passes all the check-in counters and takes you right up to the gate level. So if you are carrying on one suitcase and or you're a business traveler, you're not checking a suitcase, you can go to the blue side, express, and get directly to your gate without having to walk through all the people and strollers and wheelchairs and all the people with all the bags that are all the bags that are taking up lots of space for that kind of thing. So there isn't a red and blue terminal. So just don't be confused. It's one big building with a red side and a blue side, and it just identifies which airlines are on that side, but it's all together. You can also get an Uber or Lyft there too. And unlike other airports like Atlanta, you don't have to walk a long way for the um, the rideshare area, so yeah. that's super convenient. I I just recently flew and did not carry bags, um, or did not check my bags, mm-hmm. and it was a super quick on off. Yeah, it's an interesting thing the airport did here. It's the first time, first airport in the country that's done it. Uh, they just opened it about six months ago, eight months ago. It's just a separate curb. Like Heather says, if you are if you're just carrying on your bags, which they say more than half the people that travel don't check bags, which is interesting. Well, and they're going to do the too. red side. They did the same thing on the red side, but that won't be open until 2025. But you can, to Heather's point, doesn't matter which side of the, the the red or blue side doesn't matter. You can still use the blue curb both coming and going. So if someone's picking you up, just say we do this. They just pick me up on the blue express side. There's fewer cars. It's easier to get in and out. It's easier to see your Uber or Lyft if you're doing that. It's really a cool thing, and they did it to as a uh, easy way to expand the airport capacity while having to build it without having to build a new terminal. So exactly. Yeah. It's cool. been really helpful. And I think as air, air travel is not quite as much fun as it used to be. And I think anytime that you can keep your bag with you, you are definitely um, it's a plus to not have to worry about getting it at the other end. Should your flight be delayed and it doesn't get there. So the express is just only, um, emphasizing that for people who are not checking their bags. Yeah, and you can get a like a twenty inch or twenty one inch bag as a carry. Most people who travel regularly are will take a backpack or large purse or something, and then have a, a carry okay. on bag, which is nice. But that's a nice thing. That's and there will be probably other airports doing that in the future. So one of the other interesting things this week is a website called Visit Florida launched a new data dashboard to measure um, the benefit that tourism has on Florida's communities. So it basically comes down to the tax revenues collected by the counties um, have collectively funded $445 million in critical environmental projects over the last five years. 
Um, and that includes uh, coral restoration, wetland mitigation, park maintenance and beautification, um, natural disaster recovery, and I love this one, turtle rehabilitation. So when you're coming to Florida, not only are you, you know, having a great vacation, those those taxes and, and contributions that you're putting into our state is also giving you other things to look at, other things to do, and promoting beautification of Florida. Yeah, and helping do environmental projects, which mm-hmm. is neat. There's a huge restoration going on with the Everglades uh, that's that's got a lot of visibility just mm-hmm. from years of poor development before the people knew better. Uh, so that's a big part of it. But yeah, it's nice to see the turtle projects too. They've got lots of places where they're th- different places they take them and, mm-hmm. you know, work on, fix them. Turtle rehab. Yeah, just yeah. Re- rehabilitate turtles. Turtle rehab. rehab. Yes. Turtle rehab. So, exactly. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Lately, too, we have had um, a lot of electrical storms. Last month or so, we've gotten a lot of um, like big ones, like scary ones. We've had lightning hits pretty close to our, our house. And we've talked about that before with you know being careful about, about lightning and that um, Heather's a big fan. We're both big fans of the WeatherBug app on our phones, which show you uh, how close the nearest lightning strikes are to you within 30 minutes. And sometimes it'll surprise you when they are, they're closer than you think. Well, one thing, too, is it's not just in Florida. And so I think that this is a really, really important thing to emphasize. And it's not doomsday. It's not, um, you know, don't come to Florida. Don't come to Florida. It's terrifying. Don't go out ever. Um, three people were killed in Washington, DC, just right in Lafayette park across from the white house. Right. So, I mean, it's not a new thing. So I'm going to just give you a little, a couple little tips. So if you know, there's lightning and again, check your, check your weather app because it can be way away and you can fearfully run in. For no reason, but check that. If you see lightning or hear thunder, first check your app. Secondly, go inside whenever you hear thunder or see lightning. You're you're going to find a sturdy house building or car with a hard top roof. Don't get into a Jeep or a convertible with a soft top roof that will not protect you from lightning. And don't stand under a tree. Most yes, of please all. don't stand under a tree. Um, and stay indoors for or out of the weather for at least 30 minutes after you hear the last thunder. So those are the do's. The don'ts are don't go into a dugout, a shed, a pavilion, a picnic shelter, or other small structure. I mean, unless you have absolutely no choice. Those are really not going to help you as much as being inside a building. Um, don't use or touch electronics, outlets, or corded phones. Not how many people have, have corded phones? Yeah. <laughs> Heather's reading off of something from NOAA, a weather, a weather, yeah. a lightning advisory. And don't go under or near tall trees. Don't swim or be near the water, near metal objects or windows. Some of these are very <laughs> common sense. Very common sense. Uh, but although, given how many people get caught in a storm, and you know, if you've logged all of your stuff out to the beach and you've got kids with you. The last thing you want to do is haul all of that stuff off the beach, but be cautious. It's, it's not worth, um, you know, don't take the chance. Don't take the chance. And you know, this is Florida. People are nice. If you have a storm, you can leave some of your stuff on the beach and, and get to a safe place. Go go leave your stuff on the beach, go to your car. And don't wait wait till the last 30 minutes. And the weather changes quickly. It'll go from a horrific thunderstorm to blue skies in 30 minutes. And you go back out to the beach. Exactly. We've we've done that before. So, you know, leave a few things out at the beach. Make sure your umbrella is not going to blow away or or things like that. But don't take a lot of time to 
yeah, break it all down close. if it's yeah. close because you are really risking risking yourself. Yeah, the golf industry talks about this a lot too. Like live to play another day because people get hit by lightning on the golf course, especially mm-hmm. when you're holding a metal golf club. But right. you know they talk about lightning hitting the tallest objects. Recently, up an apartment complex near us, a third, three story apartment building got hit during an electrical storm and caught fire. And, and everybody's the, okay. Everybody's okay. Uh, thankfully, the buildings are able to handle it. But the fire department was out with the ladder truck and. Who knows how much water they may have to have pumped inside there to get that out. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's a tall building. Three-story building got took the hit, so unfortunately. Yeah, so. but it's not just Florida. So that's just sort of a coming towards the end of summer into fall, still hurricane season in the on the East Coast, in the Gulf, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, it's just – the story in Washington, D.C. kind of provoked or, or made us aware of like, hey, people – could have probably avoided that mm-hmm. if they were a little more careful. They're in an open park area. Um, you know, I think Florida, we're used to it. I think other places, people don't pay as much attention to it. But every year you hear stories about people being killed by lightning or seriously injured. And it's, for the most part, preventable if people are just a little bit more careful with, with managing it. We're really fortunate in Florida, too, because of the vastness of our state. It's, I mean, there's a lot of open space. And you can see a storm brewing. You can see the clouds coming. And, I mean, sometimes it could be you know, 20, 30 miles away. I mean, I think we've mentioned this in other podcasts at night. Sometimes you can see, you can see lightning from what? St. Pete, 30, 30, mile, 30, 30 miles away. Away. Yeah. And it, it's it, nowhere close. It's nowhere you. close. Sometimes you won't even hear the thunder. It's so far away. You know, we've seen right. it in St. Pete. Like we get our phones out. Where's that? That's St. Pete. Gosh, that's a long yeah. way away from where we are. We're in the North side of Tampa, but then there's no thunder. So that goes to show how far away it is. Right. So anytime um, you're traveling to Florida, anywhere, even out for the day, just be be aware of the mm-hmm. changes in the weather patterns and make sure you're safe. Yeah, just be smart about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, new topic. So, uh, the, as most people know in the United States, uh, the NHL and NFL seasons are getting ready to kick off. The National NFL, Hockey League and N- National you. Football Nash, League. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, so, sometimes we have to assume what people people might not know what that is. Yeah, so the National Football League, our, our pro football league, American football, starts in uh, early September. In fact, college um, football, I think, started college today. College starts uh, today or, or, this, or over Labor Day. We're, we're recording this right before Labor Day. Um, and it, you know it, it's fall sports, and this happens across the country. Uh, Florida is a great place to to watch football games. We've got pro teams, we've got great college teams. Um, pro, the pro football teams in, in Florida are in Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville. A uh, college football in the Southeast is especially popular. It's just a cult- cultural thing, and the college games have a different uh, splendor or panache to you know to the games. So, um, you know, and there's some big schools here that where football is very popular, University of Florida, Florida State, University of Miami, also known as the U. Uh, that's a big deal down in, in South Florida. And, and UCF, uh, Central Florida and South Florida and Tampa, those games are also popular. UCF, uh, which is University of Central Florida by Orlando, they have a specially good football program. Um, they are uh, – their games are very popular. It's a big fan base there. My um, favorite then, is um, is hockey at this time of year because we've had so many hot – um, hot days that to go into an ice rink, I mean, you're not bundling up. You're just getting a nice, cool, really cool, pleasant um, visual for the afternoon. It's great. And the games down here are hot. Be- are hot. Are hot. That keep probably keeps us from buying season tickets to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games. We went in September. Somebody there was a concert beforehand. Somebody had tickets. We went with them. We left in the third quarter. It was so hot. It is. I mean, you're sitting out in the sun in September. You are cooking. Uh, so if you're coming down for a game, 
Uh, and you're, if you're coming down to see your team, you're going to come down, you know, and see your team play against against the against Miami or Tampa. Um, if you had the choice, the Miami Stadium is much better shaded. They they built a partial roof on it a few years ago. It's very cool looking, very Gotham Batman like. Neat, it's a neat thing. Um, but uh, I, we would we generally would say if you avoid some of the early season games because it's just, especially at Tampa at Raymond James, that's just really really it's uncomfortably hot unless you have club seats. Uh, if you got the choice, come later in the season. But foot, but hockey is indoors, right? And the ice is, I mean, spectacularly cool inside. I love it. And it's, uh, and the, and it's, yeah, we we're big, big um, hockey fans. It's something um, watching the games um, are are just neat. And it's, After it's we've indoors. spent the whole summer in shorts to throw on a pair of jeans and a hockey jersey, it feels it's good. Just like yes, it I love good. this. And if you're coming down to Tampa um, or Miami to see uh, to see a game, the tickets you tickets can be hard to get, especially in Tampa. It's a, it's a very popular team, but you can get on StubHub.com or Ticketmaster and, and buy resale tickets, which is typically people who are selling off their season tickets if they're not going to go to a particular game. It's generally a lot cheaper to get those tickets in and go to the October, November, maybe December games. And if you go on a weeknight, you'll get a better ticket selection and a lower ticket. Ticket price because the ticket prices vary depending on demand. So if I were saying, "Hey, I really would like to go to Florida and see my team play, or go see a game, and we're going to Tampa, why don't we go to a game?" It's definitely um, cheaper to be early season. If you want to go to a popular game like the New York Rangers and it's over the holidays, that ticket's going to be expensive. But a Tuesday night game against San Jose or team that's from the West, Phoenix or somebody, you can get a pretty good price and get to go watch a good game. And American Airlines is running a special direct flight for three of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games. There's one on September 25th against the Packers, mm-hmm. October 2nd against the Kansas City Chiefs, and December 18th against the Cincinnati Bengals. So if you know those are your teams and you want to watch them um, lose against um, the, the Buccaneers, <laughs> hopefully Tom Brady, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, no, actually, you could book it now and um, get a, a nice beach vacation and a football game. Yeah, nice to get direct flights to uh, the airlines are still kind of screwed up post pandemic and Flying is weird, but you know there's some extra direct flights as a as a real blessing. So if you're one of those, and those are big teams, Packers and Kansas City, those are mm-hmm. especially popular teams. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of people traveling here for those games. So let's talk about the Space Coast. Space Coast, yes, yes. which is the coolest. It's one of our favorite places in Florida. There's there is no doubt. So if you're not familiar with what the Space Coast is, it's the area that's just a, a name that the uh, the tourism boards come up well, with. Well, we talked about on our last episode or the one before that, we talked about the Nature Coast. We talked about the Emerald Coast. The Forgotten Coast. The Forgotten Coast. I mean, there's a lot of coastline in Florida. So and they generally, they have their names. It's a there's the region. Treasure Coast. There's the, um, some of, yeah, there's, it's just an area, obviously. And there's probably the Space Coast is probably the best known named coast just because of the excitement of, you know, what goes on with Cape, with Kennedy Space Center and Cape, uh, Cape Canaveral and all those good things. So that's where, if you're not familiar with that, that's where basically America's spaceport, they're even calling the Canaveral part side, uh, the space, spaceport, which is very Star Wars like, I think. So from, use that term. from the, on the map where it's the East Coast, um, so it's on the Atlantic Ocean. And if you're, you know, if you're wondering, you know, where it is and where you would fly into, um, you most likely fly into Orlando. Um, that's one of the best and closest airports. Yes. 
But flying into Tampa, renting a car, you might get a less expensive flight coming into Tampa, and you get to do some things in Tampa. And then um, it's about a two and a half hour drive. Yeah, Tampa to the Space Coast is about two and a half hours. You could also fly, depending on what, what trip you're doing, you could fly into West Palm Beach, oh, or you could true. fly into Fort Lauderdale. It's about two hours to the south, and it's a nice drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot to do on the Space Coast itself. There's like any coastal area in Florida, uh, there's plenty of places to go to, to hike, to bike ride, to kayak. Um, there, we talked about kayaking in a recent episode, lots to do there. And there's um, always breweries. Yeah. And there is a, um, the, the, the state, the, the, the tourism group for Brevard County has a, a good website called uh, visitspacecoast.com, which has a lot of, it's not one of those, some websites are just fancy looking brochures, but this has a lot of good information about activities and things to do. And I'll put that in the show notes, but that's a place to look at. Uh, if you want to get some ideas about places to go, we like, uh, we just like the feeling of the area around, uh, Cocoa Beach, which is just south of there. It's just a nice beach area without being so overdeveloped. It's not quite as developed as and as large as like Panama City or Daytona Beach. And uh, it just has a nice feel to it. Um, and, t- and Cocoa Beach has a big surfing. It's a big surfing hub. Is uh, And there's a, a lot to do there. And there's a museum for surfing and th- other things there, which we've enjoyed in the past. So a larger perspective of the Space Coast is Titusville is one of the little towns around. Mm-hmm. Probably That's the, the closest The one. closest town. Um Canaveral National Seashore, uh, Playa Linda Beach, yep. and Playa Linda Brewery. There are two. Yeah, that's one of our favorite brew pubs. Um, there are plenty of places to hike and go to the beach and swim, kayak. Um, we did a nice little hike through, gosh, just at Canaveral Seashore. Yeah, there was yeah a, there's a lot to see that's there. That's a hard one to say fast. Canaveral Seashore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah say exactly. that five times real fast. Uh, yeah, and the play for those of you that are beer fans, uh, the Playa Linda Brewery, both locations. There's one in downtown Titusville, and one at a place called the Bricks Project has some really good beer, and they do a lot of unusual things. It's not your typical, you know, uh, types of beer. They have one that's a birthday cake beer that they have with like whipped cream on the on the sprinkles. Sprinkles. It's it goes with and it's with the, it's with a lager. It's really delicious. But yeah. it's one of those ones you're like, well, wow, that's different. I've never had that before. So yeah. if you're a beer fan, that's one of uh, definitely go check out the Playa Linda Brewery. And one of the things that was really fun when we went there, first of all, they had great food. We did a brunch. We were there mm-hmm. for brunch, and it was very it was a fairly crowded morning. I think we were there on a Saturday or Sunday, and we opted to sit at the bar. So we got to talk to the bartender. He would give us samples. He would say, oh, you should try this one. Or um, we were day drinking. Yeah, we were day drinking. We were day drinking. We were on vacation. But it was vacation. Vacation. Um, and <laughs> they, you know, always ask for a sample. Always ask um, to try it because they want you to like their beer. They don't want it to go to waste. And you don't want to pay for something you don't like. So get a sampler or ask for a sample. Um, yeah, they'll give you most almost any good place like that'll give you a, one, a half ounce or one ounce pour. Yeah, like, no. like you're not a big beer fan generally, but usually West by sampling you'll pick one and go, oh, I like this one. You'll have mm-hmm. that one. So it's a great way for you for you to discover. Not really a big beer drinker for you to find Heather if you, one that you like, which exactly. is always cool. exactly. So we when we went to the Space Coast, we actually went for a launch, um, one of the SpaceX launches, which seeing a launch in person and hearing it. And seeing the sky light up, it was a night launch, was the most amazing thing you could possibly do. Um, there's currently a lot of launches going on with the SpaceX, Starlink, Yeah, the satellite, Starlink satellites, are, there's going to be things. thousands of them. So that's that Starlink is, is already online. That's the uh, satellite-based internet service. And they're, they're launching those 
like 150 starts little satellites at a time. That's a big SpaceX project. So they're, they're, they're ongoing. There's one of those at least every couple of weeks usually. And we saw the crew dragon one, um, launch in person, which was a night launch. Um, that one was a manned craft, which was the first time they put, um, anyone up in the SpaceX, correct? In, in the crew, right? in the crew dragon. In yeah. That was, dragon. that was a service mission to, or the regular rotation out to the international space station. They had had ones before that, but that was the crew dragon one was, that was a cool one because it was the, the first of the manned SpaceX launches, the which thing, was neat. The number one thing you have to remember with launches and it, it, this happens whether you're going to see it or not, even if you're watching it on TV or something like that is they can be delayed quite frequently for whatever reason. It doesn't necessarily have to be weather. It can be one tiny light on a tiny dashboard that will abort the flight and they'll have to, to change it to another time. So, you know, definitely do a little research around a uh, Canaveral, um, figure out some other day, uh, day ideas, yeah, do, different things to different do. Different things to do. Um, yeah, the, the launch is just, just the nature of launching rockets. It's very technical, you know, big engineering projects. So it's not unusual for them to move a launch a day ahead, an hour ahead. They'll scrub a launch. Sometimes it's within the countdown. It's within within a minute to go. They'll Something will happen, and they're like, they'll cancel it. Usually they'll kick it to the next day, depending on what the project is, what, what the issue is, I should say. If you're going to go for a launch, and say you're going to go for like a week, you know, try to line your vacation up where, or your trip up where the launch is in the very first part. So, hey, say if you're, it's a Tuesday launch, don't go, oh, we'll go, you know, Friday to Tuesday and catch the launch on Tuesday. And I'd do it the other way. I would say, let's go Monday to Friday or Tuesday to Friday, because if the launch gets moved a day or two, you're still there. Uh, the other big factor is uh, the traffic around there can be pretty, pretty significant. I mean, wherever you're going to go watch a launch, you probably want to get there at least two hours ahead of time to have somewhere to park. There's a lot of traffic. It's a big deal when they have a launch. And if it's a big launch, like the Crew Dragon 1 or the Artemis 1 moon rocket they're getting ready to launch this week, uh, there will be a lot of people coming in for that because that's the restart of the moon, people to the moon mission. And that's the first manned. Sorry, this is not this is not manned. This is an unmanned flight. But the Artemis 1 uh, rocket is the biggest rocket they've ever flown from Kennedy. It's bigger than the Saturn V's that they launched during the Apollo era. So there's a lot of excitement about that. Yeah. I mean, if you have um, younger children or eight, 10 years old, you can spend a really nice day at the beach and and possibly watch the rocket launch from there. That's Playa Linda Beach. And it's a beautiful, unspoiled beach. Parking's a little bit limited. So it's a pretty, it can be a crowded area to go to watch a launch. Also prepare your kids that for the reason that launches could be postponed so you don't end up with a, like a meltdown. Like that's the only thing that we were going to do. You can get um, tickets for Kennedy space center. Um, it's an amazing place. It's $75 a day for adults, $65 for kids. And then they also have another rate for 89 and 79 for two days. So that's a really great rainy day experience since a lot of it's indoors. They have a simulator that you can sit in, and I can't remember the height. It's Yeah, it's for uh, minimums probably 10 or 8-year-old. 8 or 10. Yeah, something kind like of that. Average size. Yeah, the rides are fun. That's one of the things I didn't really expect when we went there. The, the, the Space Center itself for visitors is a fantastic place. There's so many... It's a full, it's really a probably a two day, if you really did it all, it'd be a, really a two day trip. So the, the two day trip, the two day ticket's not much more than one day. I would recommend going, um, two days if you, if you wanted to. There is also a, uh, 
kennel there for your pets. So if you're traveling with your pe- a pet, you can take your pet to the kennel and still enjoy a day you at the space center. You do have to have their vaccination records. That's right. You with do. you. That's right. Um, but hey, that I mean, that's terrific. If you're in a maybe you're in an RV, RV, possibly. I mean, you don't want to leave. You, yeah, and leave your pet in an RV. Leave your pet in an RV. RV yeah, it's nice that the kennel's there. They, they do close around 5 or 6 p.m. Um, during the pandemic, it was 4 p.m. And that's if so, you, you, you really want to go make a full day of it. Get there at 8, you know, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. They have, of course, they have food there. Because, uh, I mean, just the, the space shuttle building we went to was two hours in there all by itself. And mm-hmm. there's it, there's a lot to see, and you really want to, and it's not cheap. And the prices went up too, we noticed, like everything else in the world. So at $75 a day, you want to maximize your investment. But really, it's a great all-day activity. It's also, I think, very inspiring for kids if you want to get your kids excited about STEM. And STEM is a term we use in the U.S. for science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, it's very much of a, a part of that, the culture of the engineering and all the science that goes into space flight and all the machinery and all the rockets and all that. It's, it's really neat stuff. Uh, another travel tip, something that's very interesting, is they have a – Kennedy has a – a summer camp for kids between the ages of seven, seven and 16. It's only a few hundred dollars. Uh, and it's a five day immersion in all kinds of space related things. And of course it's age appropriate. They're going to give the high schoolers a different experience than the seventh and eight, seven, seven and eight year olds. So they do that. Um, it does fill up very quickly. So when we hear we're on their mailing list, when we hear that it's open again, um, we'll put it, we'll put it in our newsletter, sign up for our newsletter on uh, floridatravelfanatics.com and we'll, we'll let you know when that goes on. But that's a great vacation. Maybe you're tired of taking your kids to Disney every year and it's expensive and you want to do something else. You can t- put your kids into the space camp at Kennedy and then the mom and dad can go to the beach or do whatever else they want to do by themselves, which is always a great vacation. If you want to get an idea of what the Playa Linda Beach looks like, we have a 4K beach walk video on YouTube uh, for Playa Linda. So you can see where it is and what it's like. You'll need to bring everything you you want, food, water, beach gear, but there are bathrooms. So, you know, drop your kids off at space camp and enjoy the beach. Yeah. Another way, great way. Yeah. Playa Linda is interesting because Playa Linda is a very, Heather said, is very unspoiled beach. It's on the Canaveral National Seashore. Uh, we've been there several times. Really, it's very unspoiled, not groomed. Uh, you have to bring everything yourself. There's no attendance. There's no food there. You bring everything no with chairs. you. No beach chairs. You bring it all with you. Uh, but it's very, very cool beach. Uh, during launches, in, in many cases, that beach is closed. Or if it's not closed, you need to get there very early. And there will be lines and the parking fills up probably an hour after the park opens. Um, and But you can go there. That's probably one of the best views uh, of the launch when it's on, especially if it's on the north side of the complex. Um, like for the Artemis launch, it's too close. They're closing the whole beach, the whole uh, play on the beach is closed because because of the proximity to a rocket of that size, uh, which is which is probably a good thing. Um, I like personally. We haven't done this yet ourselves, but um, the Cocoa Beach is like especially if you're going down there with kids and you're at the beach to get on the north side of the Cocoa Beach Pier. But there's it's a wide open beach area like a lot of Florida, and you can just be there with your kids having a beach day and like hey have the launch info on your phone, and everybody will stop when the launch goes on. You won't be able to see the pad probably depending on where the launch is from, but you'll see the rocket very clearly. Mm-hmm. And if there's a it's easy to get there, relatively easy to park. Uh, there's restaurants nearby. It's a normal beach town. So that's a good place to watch a launch from. Cocoa Beach is actually a really fun spot. We haven't yeah. actually done a um, a launch there a, yet. A launch there yet. And we haven't done a podcast about it. But that was a really fun place to spend the day um, hanging out. Yeah, the tricky part. Yeah, and the interesting part about a launch is you have to decide where you want to see it from. Um, you know, there we, we actually went into the Space Center, watched it from the viewing center, uh, and you'll see the, our video of what that looks like. Um, you can't see the pad from there. That's um, 
you know, that's uh, as you can see, once the rocket clears the trees, which is interesting, uh, there are multiple places you can go, some of which you pay for, like the, the gantry observation area on the Space Center, I think, is a $50 ticket, but then you're about as close as you can get. That in Playland is about as close as you can get to the rocket. Um, there's a lot lot of different places around the area, and the locals have their favorite spots. There's a, a great website. There's a guy named Ben Cooper who does launch photography. He has a website with a very comprehensive list of places around the area to watch, to, to watch a launch. Um, his website is launch photography.com. He also sells a book which has some amazing launch photos. The guy's quite a, a photographer. And I'll put all that um, in the show notes. But he has the, probably the most comprehensive list of here are the places to go, here are the pros and cons. I mean, there's bridges over Titusville. People park there. People go to downtown Titusville. There's a park. People watch from there. So it, you have to kind of plan your trip out. Okay, do I have kids with me? Where do I want to go? If the rock, What's my day going to be like if the launch doesn't happen? So planning is really, really key there. And that website is a great resource. And he updates it pretty regularly. You can also visit uh, visitspacecoast.com and kennedyspacecenter.com, and those will also be in the show notes to get an idea of, I mean, we used to carry a book around, you know, one of the little photos or something like that, and we still do sometimes, but if you can download um, a few of the notes from uh, directions, put them in your phone, put the website on your phone so you can pull it up. You don't have to all, all look around to, to check things out. Yeah. And there's a, there's a launch app. Um, I'll put the link uh, to, in the show notes for that. And there's also, there's a case uh, Kennedy space center vis- visitor guide on your phone, which you an app you put on your phone, which is an also a nice thing to look at ahead of time to get an idea kind of, and set your day up, kind of build that out. Okay. Here's a little bit of trivia. What's the area code for uh that area, three, two, one. Lift off. <laughs> Lift off. Isn't that great? I think that's so funny. Yeah, years. Some of you are too young to remember this, but years ago there were no area codes. And then as they built the telephone system out in the U.S., I think really in the '70s, you started having area codes. So they came up with the idea because of the countdown that it would be three, two, one. So if you see a three, two, one number, that's a number from the Space Coast, exactly. which is an interesting little little, little factoid. So we we enjoyed seeing our launch, the Crew Dragon, once for, one from Kennedy Space Center. It's usually only about twenty dollars more a ticket. Uh, over the day, price of the day pass, so maybe it comes. It's ninety five instead of seventy five, but but you get an extra experience there. They've got bleachers, they've got people narrating. In our case, they they kept the space center open, but only you know later into the evening, which let us stay longer. Um, but they only leave it open to people that have bought launch tickets. Now, recently I went and looked and they're not selling launch tickets at the space center for whatever reason for a while. So you'll want to go to that launchphotography.com or whatever and look at, look at, plan it, plan it out where you want to go see the launch from. So our next episode, we're going to be talking about cruises, which we are just looking so forward to cruises coming back. Um, you can take cruises out of Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Tampa, and the Space Coast, Canaveral. Port, Port Everglades. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Port Canaveral. Everglades yeah. is Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And we've yeah. done three cruises from Florida, so we'll talk mm-hmm. about our own experience, including one to Cuba, right. Key West and Cuba, which is Cuba's currently closed for cruising again, unfortunately. But we'll talk a little bit about that. There's lots of travel tips, things that we've learned about, things to do around cruises. And we'll talk about each each cruise port and kind of what, what our experience has been with them and different places to go and times of year. That's, that'll be a fun episode. And we're looking for, we have not been on a cruise in a while, so we're looking for ourselves to going back out on one again soon. Well, thanks for listening this week, uh, this episode. Um, just as a reminder, you can go get more information about us and our content on floridatravelfanatics.com. If you could do us a favor and please leave a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, that helps promote our podcast and listenership significantly. And just tell your friends, if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably enjoying it and getting something out of it. Let your friends know. Uh, we'd really like to push our listening audience to, to a larger level and uh, be able to do and provide more content. That's fun. 
Well, thanks for traveling with us. Sunny days ahead. See you next time.